That is right. It is time again for Brooklyn Paper Radio live and on tape and on podcast from the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown. I, of course, am Gersh Kunstman of the New York Daily News, joined as always by my partner in crime, a very handsome man despite my rigid heterosexuality, Vince DiMaselli, the editor of the Brooklyn Papers, and our producer Johnny is in, and Jimmy will be joining us later. we got double production today, and why is that, Vince? Well, we got a big show. Big show and a big guest. We big are going to be talking... a lot of people. We're going to be talking later to Congressman Jerry Nadler. He's from the Upper West Side and Brooklyn for the inaugural edition of Trump Busters. You got that music, Jimmy? You got that music, Jimmy? Trump Busters. Who are you going to no. call no. Trump Busters? And as you know, Jerry Nadler spent the entire weekend protesting and activating and activizing against Donald Trump. He was, he was busting Trump. He was busting Trump. On Who are you going to call? Specifically on immigration. Now, the good news is he did get action. Yeah, there's some action. No, I mean, not the kind of action I get, Vince. He no, got, no, no, He no. got legislative and congressional and court action, and we're going to be talking to him about that later, and obviously we're going to talk to our own reporter, Ruth Brown, who was out on the hustings with the protesters pretty much all weekend. But before, yeah. before we do that, Vince... You know and I know. We started a tradition last week. And, oh, we did. And we in did. light of the patriotic challenges to our nation right now, whether you support President Trump or you oppose some of his moves, we're all patriots here. Am I we right, are. Vince? We are patriots, and we love this country. And how should we express our love for this country? The only way we know how, Gersh, by singing the national anthem before okay. every show. We're going to do it. You ready? Let's do it. Remember, start low. Start ready? low. Oh, say can you see... By the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous night for the ramparts we watched. We're so gallantly streaming And the rocket's red glare The bombs bursting in air Gave proof through the night That our flag was still there Oh, say does that star-spangled Banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. Good. We've done it again, Vince. Yeah, you know, we never mentioned God in that. Never mentioned God. That's why I love the national anthem. It's a great anthem. Anyway. And they say it's tough to sing, but I think we knocked it out. A little bit of harmony going on there. I tried to go high. Yeah. Because when you go low, I go high. I know. That's what you do. Okay. Anyway, we, we've been singing the national anthem a lot because we are in dangerous and difficult times. And again, I am not a supporter of the president. I'm not a supporter of restricting our borders th to the extent that he did. I'm not a supporter of some of the uh, crazy cockamamie ideas of uh, cutting regulations willy-nilly. I, I think we should have a government. But nonetheless— we're all patriots. We're yeah. all Brooklynites and, and we're all patriots. And it's getting into everything I do, this whole all this Trump mania right now. I'm doing a crossword puzzle today, right? You were doing the, the Times mini crossword? The Times mini crossword. I do it every day. Every yeah, day you're usually day. amazing. How, how'd you do today? I try to get it done. With, under a minute is my goal every every day. And you usually meet that goal. I usually meet that goal. I've done as, I've 
done it in just quickly. It's like 25 seconds, which well, that's, is that's just it's crazy. literally the greatest thing ever. That's crazy. But this week, the, the, the clue was complainer, and the letters I had were R-U-M-P. Right, right. And I would have gone with Trump. I did. I went with Trump. But you know they're not going to put Trump in a crossword puzzle. It seemed like it seemed like a bold political statement for the 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 you know the New York Times. So what did it crossword. take? It take you fifteen minutes to figure that out? Well, in the end, it took me more than five minutes. Five minutes for the Times mini crossword. Wow, Donald a- Trump! If you can hear the sound of my voice, you are infecting Vince DiMaselli's ability to do a damn crossword puzzle. That's how powerful you are. A mini crossword puzzle. Well, we didn't talk to Jerry Nadler about that, Congressman Jerry Nadler, but we'll talk to him on a. Host of topics, and I want to remind you, our show is sponsored by Village Caramax, yes, Atlas Steakhouse, uh-huh. Atlas Meat Market, and of oh. course, Dr. Joseph Lichter, DDS. Everything starts with good teeth. It Everything. Does. It does. All right, Vince. Yes. It has been an up and down weekend in Brooklyn. It's been a crazy weekend. Well, first, you know, I had my son's birthday. Tell me more about that. I hear tenth there was a birthday party, Gersh, the greatest tenth birthday Why party. Is that? In the history of parties, it It was just fantastic. Was it huge? Everyone showed up. Anyone who's anyone came to the party. Michael and Jonathan of Michael and Jonathan fame, they were there. If you're indicted, you're invited. They had a great time. Everybody had a great time. I think when everyone left, they were saying this was the greatest 10th birthday party ever. Coach was there. Coach was there. Coach was there. Heard, the, he was the coach of my son's soccer team. Loves was, coming to these parties. Said it was the was, greatest party. Enjoys the cold beer that is served at the 10th birthday party. I hear there was a phallic-shaped pinata. There was a pinata, and it was large. And it Well, that was, doesn't mean it was phallic-shaped, by the way, Vince, because I know what you're talking about. It was large, and it was, you know, in charge. It was larger than charge. So there was a. So what was it? Just a penis? It was a. Ha- no, <laughs> it was. It was a. Uh, it was a science-based party. So it was a test tube. A test tube. Yeah, it was a test tube. Test tube pinata. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. No, it wasn't weird. It was beautiful, and it was, and you know, a little test tube. It's got like the, the how many milliliters were in there? Yeah, a little like grady, great gradations. Well, this one was giant, so it was more like gallons or I don't know metric tons or something. <laughs> All right, and it went up to uh, a milliliter. No, it went up to ten because he's ten. Oh, I like that. Alone. I like that, but it's weird to have a penis at your son's birthday in the middle of the room the whole time. <laughs> the ladies love the large penis. Uh, pinata. I don't know. About that. <laughs> yeah, pinata. Pinata. All right, we got to get out. So yes. when we're talking about a Chinese curse, we say we live in interesting times. Now, I don't think it's. A, I'm a journalist, so I want this. I want it all. You need interesting times. And I need to start in by bringing in. And can we get some, uh, morning, get some morning morning paper music? There you go. I read the morning paper. The reason, Johnny, the reason I asked you to play that music is because the Brooklyn paper and its sister publication, BrooklynDaily.com has been dominated by the news of what's been going on with Donald Trump's... Oh, you didn't have to play it again. No, it's very exciting. Maybe we should play, play it again. Play it again. No, no, don't play it again. All right. Okay. So it's been dominated by the news of what Donald Trump's immigration order did to Brooklyn and Brooklynites. So we're going to get Ruth Brown in here, who's a reporter. It's interesting. interesting what happened with Johnny there. It's like he was getting orders from two different people. Yeah. Hey, is that Ruth Brown? Sure is. Ruth Brown, come on in. I'm going to be playing you in with a little Connor Oberst. Yeah. Oh, this go. is great. Ready? Let's go. Casadega. All right, that's Ruth Brown, everybody. You were going to be playing the music. I'm actually playing them in. I cannot sing and play at the same time, but that was a little Connor Oberst, Four Winds. You know, the, no, the, the lyrics to that song are tough. 
Well, I can't sing and play at the same time. I'm putting the guitar away. Before I start, can I just tell you a story? When you when you folks were singing, started singing the national anthem. Yes. Somebody from my, I think maybe the advertising department Stood walked. Up. No, they walked. They walked. They were walking past the studio and got. They screamed. Stop. They were like, Wah! "Oh God!" <laughs> Wait, in a good way though. <laughs> they were very shocked to hear. The noise you know emanating from this room. I think people are often shocked by displays of patriotism in this country. It was and I don't definitely think... that. It was definitely that. Well, now, Ruth, I'm judging by your accent that you're from what, Canada? Where are you from? South Africa? Something like that. Okay. So you're not a patriot. Uh, you not love a, this you country. Can't. Do you love this country? I like this country. Fair enough. So Ruth Brown, just <laughs> so you know, Ruth Brown is the... Um, I don't love it. Love any... Love's a strong word. All right. Anyway, she's from Australia, and she's editor, deputy editor of the Brooklyn paper, and she does a fantastic job. But... How do you get your hash marks in this business? You go where the story is. So, Ruth, tell us what you did this weekend. Uh, well, I was uh, sitting at home on Saturday night, as I do on a Saturday night, when I got news. Uh, Watching the Netflix? Which, yeah, I was. I got news that uh, there was going to be a sudden uh, court appearance to challenge uh, Trump's, uh, or at least to to put a temporary kind of stay on Trump's uh, immigration ban down at the federal courthouse. That's which, a challenge. Which I happen to live very close to. You live close to the federal courthouse. Uh, yeah, I live downtown. She is one of the reasons we call it America's downtown, because yeah. it is a melting pot. Good, okay. So what'd you do? You ran American. over to the courthouse? I sure did. And even as I got there, this was about 7, the hearing was supposed to happen at 7.30, it, it didn't. But I, I got there at 7, already... News was spreading through social media. People were literally just streaming into the streets uh, from uh, I, I don't know where. By the time they actually opened the doors to the public, there was thousands out there. It was it was a massive turnout. And it's a very small courtroom, so actually very few of us got in. You got into but the courtroom, But I was though. one of the people who did get in. You flashed, yes. you flashed a media credential, am I right? Uh, the, the press as a collective decided that if we didn't take a stand, we were not going to get into the yeah, courtroom. So yeah. there was some barging through of, of people saying, press, press, press. So what did you hear? What did you hear in that courtroom? First of all, who's the judge? What was the issue on the table? What happened? Uh, the judge was Donnelly. Uh, who was an Obama appointee. Very, and and I got to say, uh, I like her. Yeah, I liked her. I didn't mean to have my bedroom voice there for a second. I've always liked her. She's a good judge. Yes, and there was much discussion beforehand. Some of the lawyers, they thought they'd gotten a different judge. They were quite bummed out. They thought they'd gotten a very conservative judge. Uh, so they were, they were quite happy. Wait, what, which lawyers were bummed out? Uh, some of the some of the lawyers from um, the for various the for the government. No, 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 no. There was a lot of there was a lot of like volunteer lawyers who were sort of waiting to get in as well to the courtroom, and so and there was a lot were, of discussion. And they were worried she was a conservative judge. They were worried they were going to get a different judge because oh, okay. there was a bit of back and forth over who it would be. Now I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm very interested in the nuts and bolts nuts of all this. Nuts and mm-hmm. bolts, right? Di so who are the lawyers that are there, and where are they from, and how did they get there? And who you're saying a lot of lawyers were there. Who are yeah. these people? Well, there was just a lot of vo- uh, the ACLU. I think were the main people who filed the suit, but so there the were the American lot of- Civil mm-hmm. Liberties Union. There for, was, for the record, Ruth, I am a card-carrying member. Full disclosure of the ACLU. Uh, as am I. Uh, probably even more of an important disclosure. Uh, the ACLU were there, and there were a lot of volunteers for them. There were a lot of other, sm- I think, smaller kind of um, similar legal groups um, who were all helping out, you know, photocopying things, volunteering to run to their offices. And, wait, wait, there's a photocopy machine out. just sitting there? No, but they some of them had offices nearby, so people were volunteering to run back and forth to print things out. This is nuts and bolts. Okay, yeah. this is. No, this and is then the, lawyer, the other lawyers uh, were for the government, so they were lawyers representing various different government agencies, ICE, you know, all the, all the different... And then there was also one from DC on the phone who was actually the main lawyer kind of arguing the case. And I would say really the only one 
arguing it uh, with any level of passion. The lawyers, the lawyers for the government in the courtroom seemed confused and annoyed and largely resigned to the fact that they were not going to win. Hmm. I would say from the get go. I just got one other question about this. Was the courthouse open? Like, did somebody have to come in and unlock yeah, the no, doors? Yeah, no, it was Saturday. Yeah, they had to come in. There was only a couple of court officers, and they, you know, they did a good job because they had a pretty enthusiastic crowd outside. Wait, why are there even any court officers? In well, the, I, mean, I think, think they, they lock it at night on Friday night, and that's it. No, they called them down. They you, they brought in out. a sketch. They had to bring in a sketch artist. Had to mm. come in to sketch the mm. courtroom. At night, I guess they have somebody on call. I think on Saturdays a, they have like a, a breakfast club there. Yeah, a little breakfast club, a little sketching. They, they Sometimes <laughs> they sketch the courtroom with nobody yeah. in it just to practice. Yeah. All right, so Ruth, you're in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Trump's lawyers in, in, in physical person are, are not really defending it. What's the argument? The, the ACLU is presumably making the argument that this is illegal. Now, the judges, you know, did not rule on the legality of the of the executive order. Yeah. What they, did she do? They weren't even really arguing that it was illegal because they were just arguing for an emergency stay oh, until okay. they could get to the real nuts and bolts, which they needed more time for. So what it effectively was just a restraining order. Oh. Um, and as I learned, there's sort of a four-pronged method when you have a restraining order on, on whether you should approve it or not. And most of those things are based on kind of, is it going to harm... Mm-hmm. Uh, is it going to harm the people and is it going to harm the, or is it going to harm, you know, is the, is the person who it's seeking to, to affect, yeah. yeah, in this case, going to be, going to be harmed. So the argument, basically what it rested on was that the people who, you know, might be deported, they face significant harm, yeah. whereas the public don't really face harm. The government sort of half-heartedly tried to argue that we don't really know that the people might face harm because we don't know who's coming here. Well, but the, but these, as the judge said, you actually do know who's coming yeah. here because you gave these people refugee status or visas And in fact, they, they go through a two-year process, first with the UN, then with Homeland Security and all these different mm. agencies. We know who these people are. And to send them back to their country, the judge, I believe, argued, said they could literally be killed when they go back to their country. Yeah, they could potentially be harmed. Yeah, because someone was literally being put on a plane back yeah. to I think Syria yeah. as the case was happening. Right. So who, you're in the courtroom. Wait, who pays for that ticket? It's a good question. I guess the government does. I'm not. Sh- I'm not certain of that. It might be the airline. But because no, I've had that situation, and I don't even want to tell <laughs> you why. I'm not a refugee. I'm not a refugee. <laughs> but no. But let, bring us in the courtroom again. How mm-hmm. many people are in the courtroom? What is it? Silent? Is it like a library? Is there murmuring? What's it like? Yeah, it's a small courtroom, which you know, thousands of people wanted to get in. They could only sort of take. Um, you know, I want to say like 50, and a lot of those were taken by lawyers. Um, then you had a few politicians who showed up. The press, the press mostly sat in the jury box, mm. who was credentialed as a non-credentialed member of the press. I sat next to some lovely, uh, enthusiastic young Brooklyn Law School grads who came to observe. How did they even know about it? That's my question. Um, I think sh- they might have been studying down the road late yeah. night Saturday. That's how diligent these students were. They were very it's lovely. Like, it's that- like To Kill a Mockingbird. It's like, hey, they're all running in the courthouse. Yeah. Let's go. No, you really. Know? That's what it was. And okay. But they were great because they helped as, as much as they knew. They were only like in their first or second year, but they, they helped explain some some courtroom minutiae to me. So nice. I appreciated that. Nice. And they, they asked questions about the media. So, yeah, it was a mix. There, but there a few protesters got in. But they come and they tell you beforehand, you can't even rustle. You can't, like, hem and haw. We will kick you out. And, in fact, when the the judge announced that she would approve the stay, a few people sort of people started cheering. She was like, no, mm-hmm. no. And she gave people a pretty severe tongue-lashing for that. Would you say, Ruth, and, and you're a great reporter. You've been a, a top journalist, and I think you're a Pulitzer Prize nominee next year. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the biggest story you ever covered? Like in that courtroom right there? That's history, baby. Oh, that's a great question. I think that's probably the biggest thing you ever covered. I mean, uh, this was on the front page of every paper in the country, including the Brooklyn paper. Yeah, certainly in, certainly in this country it has been. Yeah, we had uh, 
our our uh, partners over at Mountain Queens. They had some people out of JFK covering mm-hmm. that. And, of course, now the, the phone rings late at night, and uh, it's Roz Liston on the line. She's like, Vinny, you got to help me get the stories online. we got to get these stories online. And my wife's like, what you doing? I says, I'm making history, baby. Right. Mm-hmm. No, because, Ruth, it, it, covering a protest is one thing. Because yeah. well, I've covered protests. That's, that's sure. a lot of bull crap. You're in the courtroom mm-hmm. while lawyers for the government are arguing with lawyers for the ACLU. This is one step removed from, like, Brown versus the Board of Education. 1950. Yeah, it was it was an exciting, even though it was very quiet and a little tense, it was exciting. It was, I think, the moment when the judge sort of said, you know, she was reading off the, the defendants of the plaintiffs and she said, you know, here on behalf of President Trump. Yeah, And that's yeah. kind of when everyone goes, ooh. Yeah, that's you know? right. That's yeah. like the real deal. I had a similar thing once when I covered a obscure transportation committee hearing in the <laughs> council back in 1905. No, I'm sorry. I got a little lost in my reverie there. That was part bedroom be- bedroom voice, part reverie voice. All right. So we got to get out. You, <laughs> the judge issues the ruling. Mm-hmm. What happens? Uh, it kind of, it was a very casual thing because she kind of, it was sort of in conversation. She didn't stop and say, okay, now here is my pronouncement. She sort of, the, the she was sort of, yeah, she was grilling the government lawyers a little bit saying, how, how can you even mm-hmm. make this argument that, and that Americans will be somehow at risk, you know, if I grant this stay. Right. And they kind of said, well, we don't really have enough information. We, you know, they kind of didn't really have much of a defense. And she said, exactly. So that's exactly why I'm going to grant this stay. And then she kind of kept talking. There was a bit more back and forth. Uh, they had to work out the parameters of it. You know, the ACLU were a bit worried that um, about what would happen to the people in, in the time between, mm-hmm. you know, now and when they actually hear the case. They had to work out when they were going to hear the case. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't like a big dramatic moment, but she kind of just said that and people, you know, people sort of were shocked and delighted did and let ever, out squeals. Did she, did she bang the gavel? Yeah. They don't have gavels. No so gavels? That's disappointing. No gavel. What kind of courtroom is this? Yeah, I know. What maybe, kind of maybe country is this? No, maybe it's because it was Saturday. Yeah, they, that's right. Gavel cleaning. Gavel, gavel cleaning day. Gavel yeah, the clean the gavels. So, they get dusty. So they she issues this stay mm. and now... What happens? Does somebody run out of the courtroom a f- a couple and of, bring the stay to JFK? Yeah, a, well, a, a couple of protesters or maybe some lawyers, a few people got up immediately and went, left the courtroom, I think, to tell the people outside, number one, and also to call, because they apparently, there was someone put on the plane. Like, they were literally yeah, sitting yeah. on the plane. They are in their seat, ready to leave the tarmac at JFK. Someone calls in and says, no, and then they got taken off the plane. So somebody must have left the courtroom because there was at least another like 15 minutes of kind of minutia after she announced it. But there's an actual order, a piece of paper that physically needs to get to JFK, right? I guess so, but as my understanding, they called it in because she had to sign it, but she did sign it right there. But who has all these phone numbers? Like, you know, Putin and and Trump (laughs) spoke over the weekend. Mm. So how do you even make that call? When he spoke to the president of Taiwan, when he spoke, who's got these numbers? Like how did there the, is there assistance of each No, how did the how did the lawyer in DC? You said there was a, a Trump lawyer on the phone, yeah. uh, presumably a Justice Department lawyer. How does that person know the number of the courthouse part in Brooklyn? Where is that number? Because not a public number. No, but they each side would would know, and they would really? say this is the conferencing to call through. And they they must I don't have, know. it sounded like they did it a lot. It sounded like it was very normal to have people on the phone. I don't know. I find Everyone the whole seemed thing very boggling. casual. Every time I try to get somebody on the phone nowadays, even as a reporter, it's not easy. It's it's mm. more difficult than ever, Gersh. All right, we got to get out. It's Ruth. almost as difficult as the time before phones. <laughs> that, that was a tough time. You had to actually physically go down to the courthouse. Yeah, smoke signal semaphore. No, yeah. and they were smoke-filled rooms, by the way. Mm-hmm. They were. Sm- I, I remember distinctly the last few things I covered. Before they got rid of cigarettes in the courthouse, 
Oh, Those were glory days. It was great. You just take great. a big deep breath and you just cough out your lungs. <laughs> and you're like, this is American justice. Well, the interesting question now is, you know, they tell you you have to turn off your phone and you are forbidden from recording or having a phone, but they don't they don't really watch you. And so you can see a lot of people in there going, oh, do I risk it? Do I turn it on? You know, they don't make you hand it in. Yeah. But they do enforce it strictly. Yeah, the it honor is. System. But you're sitting there like, oh, because, you know, not, all these journalists are sitting there like, oh, God, now we have to use a pen and paper and we don't know how to do that i got a question for ruth now ruth you're, you are from australia correct it, you're watching america literally at war with itself mm. i mean to trump for example the other day uh, a justice department holdover from the obama administration refused to carry out some of these orders and he fired her mm. and installed this is like nixonian uh, saturday night massacre if you don't know about that you're young but the point is you're australian mm-hmm. you're watching america what just as an observer not as a reporter just as a woman with feelings and a heart and brains and balls and guts, what do you think? What do I think? I mean... What's your take? As a, as a, as a citizen of the world, not as a journalist. Uh, I mean, it's exciting and scary times. I don't know if it's any more... I think it's it's more real being here versus watching it at home. But I will say, you know, my mother was on Skype the whole time. Even last night, she's like, oh, no, they fired someone else. You know, I, I, the whole... I think it's hard for Americans maybe to understand that... Because they don't feel this way about other country, any other country. The but, enormity of it all. Yeah, but when you live anywhere else in the world, you feel like whatever happens in America happens to you. Uh, we're sometimes like- not even rationally. Sometimes it is things that really don't affect you. In this case, it, it probably is things that affect you. Uh, you know, so Australia is grappling with this. You know, on a large level, this is dominating the headlines. The prime minister has been under like immense amounts of pressure to denounce and he's one of the few uh western leaders who hasn't he said oh i don't think it's my job to tell other leaders how to lead well but it could lead to immigration mm. restrictions on people from your very country well, down under mm, he managed to he and the same as the uk prime minister managed to get uh get exemptions for dual citizens so if you're an australian sudanese for instance you can come in which i actually i mean i understand that it's his job to get that but i actually think that's worse i don't yeah. think it's right that that just because you're an Australian Sudanese person, you can come in, but if you're some other dual citizen, you can't come in. Like that, it sh- there shouldn't be these exemptions. Right, we're focused. We're focused on the weeds. I'm talking about the right. forest here. Look, we're America. We're the 800-pound gorilla. We, we, whatever we do affects the world. It's just by nature. Mm. We're going to cut environmental regulations. We're going to cut labor safety regulations. We're going to cut financial regulations. That's going to affect the world. And you're an Australian, and you're not even a citizen of these in the United States. But you do have a green card. Yes, but I think... And we love you. And we love you as a person. Mm -hmm. So put away that journalism hat. Let's talk man to woman. Are you scared? You scared to be be in America now? Uh, Yeah, I think this this particular... Mm. um, Some of the more recent orders I felt quite personally because I am a green card holder. Um, And, you know, uh, it could be easily somebody in... You know, who has the exact same legal rights to be here as I do. But because of the country that they come from versus the country that I come from, you know would be stopped. So I yeah. think I definitely felt this quite personally because I know exactly what those... I know the vetting process those people have been through. And they're in the exact same legal situation as me. Sometimes more. I mean, there are people who have probably have have more legal residents in this country than I do. Yeah, but the vetting stopped. process for somebody from Australia can't be difficult. It couldn't have been difficult. No, it's Australia. literally you say, good day, mate. <laughs> and if you know how to answer that, that's it, right? You, uh, you yeah. literally walked in. Yeah, I, I pretty much walked in. No, there was a... like they, I had to go to the doctor and they had to like take all this blood. They had to test me for like tuberculosis. They did a very violent yeah, fingerprinting. Yeah. Like did they really ask you, violent. Did they, they tell ask you you can't you, spit on the sidewalk? 
<laughs> Did they ask what? you if you support violent jihad? No, they uh, all they asked me, and actually my immigration lawyer was a bit surprised that our, our interview was very quick, uh, and she thought it was too quick. She was a bit worried. Uh, so they might, I suspect it's not quite as quick for people from some countries, but they asked us, have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Interesting. That's um, weird they still ask that. Yeah, it's also a weird question because a lot of people in Australia were members of the Communist Party, so it's actually a, an odd question. It, it's not so controversial in some countries as it is here. And they also asked... I, ha- I have not been a member of the Communist Party, though. For uh, they, the record. For yes. the record. Uh, anyone, the Australian Communist Party or, you know, the Soviet Communist Party. Any Communist Party. And they also ask if you've ever committed genocide. Wow, literally. You. They literally ask that question, which is a stupid question because if you you probably... You know, we would know. We would know if you'd committed genocide. I mean, you've killed a man, but but never <laughs> a, on a mass scale. Yeah, and I think they also ask if you committed an act of terrorism, which I feel is a really weird question because if you had, you probably wouldn't feel it was terrorism. Or you wouldn't you wouldn't answer honestly. Yeah, I, I I really wanted to ask the the person questioning me has anybody ever said yes? Yes, I have committed. Oh, now an act you of mention terrorism. it, there was that genocide a few years back. <laughs> I forgot I that forgot one in England. I didn't put yeah. that on my application. Yeah, no, they just ask those questions. They kind of rifle through your papers and then they. They stamp it. But that's because I think they racially profiled you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no yeah. question about yeah. that. So if you're coming from a Muslim country, well, now, privilege. now you're not even coming from a Muslim country because there's seven countries where tourists are banned for another 90 days. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Syrian refugees are banned for 100, indefinitely. And refugees across the world are banned for 90 days. This is, this is insanity. Mm. All right. Well, I'm glad I got your approval there. Anyway, we got to get out. Ruth, where does it go from here? And now bring put the journalist hat back on. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a fetching journalist hat you have. Put it back <laughs> on. It's a bonnet. Little, it's a bonnet. that little it's a press. Uh, All right, so press tell, me, there. tell me where it goes from here journalistically. For you as, a, as editor of these Brooklyn Papers. Uh, well, yeah, we've been covering a lot of the protests, but I was... No, it's boring. No, no it's boring. And, I, and I said, and I've, I've been talking to the reporters and saying, unless there's a really massive protest, what I'm more interested is the people on the ground. Who is this affecting in Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. Who are the families? We've already had quite a few reports already. We had like a doctor in Crown Heights from Sudan who can't get back into the country. Very there's, good. There's a student who lives in Prospect Levitt's Gardens who's a, a um, studying for uh, her PhD. She can't get back into the country. So I'm interested now in who this is affecting. And then, you know, this will come back to the federal courthouse in Brooklyn again mm-hmm. um, sometime, I think, on the 21st of next month. You know, it's going to affect Vince and me. How so? Good? Indirectly, Vince. <laughs> apparently, we're having Yemen, Yemeni food after this show. Yeah, Yemen. Uh, there's a there's a nice little Yemen restaurant. Yeah, there's actually a lot. Uh, there's there's many uh, Yemeni restaurants along Atlantic Avenue in, in downtown Brooklyn. But I think those restaurants are going to be affected by these kinds of bands. Well, we'll have to ask them. I'm, that's why we're going. I mean, you you well, you see, you can't send Vince DiMasselli and Gersh Kunzman out to lunch without coming back with the story. So yeah. true. Yeah. All right, we got to get out. Ruth, you are one of the great people. And I don't I've, say that I've the way said that. I don't say that the way Trump says it. I'm saying you're actually a great person. I'm not, and I'm not the kind of guy who needs to have great people around me to reflect my glory. <laughs> you reflect your own glory, baby. Thank you. All right, let's uh, let's send her out with a little bit of Connor Oberst. Oh, please. Do. Wait, which song? I'll get the lyrics. Uh, no, I got it right here. Which one? What are you going to do? Four wins. Four wins. <laughs> she goes. <laughs> She's out of here. She's gone. Oh, you're screwing it up. That's no, not how it goes. It's Wait, try it again. Play. No, you want to play it again? Okay. Just try, try it one more time. Give me one second, Jimmy. Give me one second to play. Okay, ready? Give me it's one second. It's very hard, but it's a very tight story. Ready? Okay. ready? Set and yeah. go. Wait, are you going to lead right in or are we going right into it? No, it's not good, but I'll, I'll work with it. Ready? 
I can't do it. Anyway, it's great. You're to, killing it. I know. I'm because I'm not a guitar player. First of all, you clash your cast your country, sec your name or your tribe. The people always dying trying to keep them alive. You know so why I so chose forth. that? You know why I chose that song? I see what you're doing there. It's, I see where it's, it's going. It's very, very. The body's decomposing in containers tonight. In a Abandoned buildings where... All right, we got to pay some bills, but I want you to hang on because after these commercials, we're going to talk to Congressman Jerry Nadler. Squadler's made a mural Vince, of a Mexican Vince, girl. when you yeah. have Congressman Jerry Nadler on, you have made it. Is that it? This is this is the be-all, end-all of podcasts? It. It's going to be a great interview. All right, Johnny, give me a little commercial music. we got to do it. we got to play some songs. Wait, Be- before some I talk to Jerry Nadler, before I talk to Jerry Nadler, I think about, well, he's older than I am, and I'm getting there, Vince. He's a few years older than you. But I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose my ability to be an activist or to, or to have sex in my own home. No. So that's why I'm going to call Village Care Max. They're a Medicaid-managed long-term plan that helps me stay at home and in my community activating against Donald Trump or whoever the president is for as long as I want. They get a team of healthcare professionals together. They work with your doctor. They help you obtain the best healthcare options available. And they, most importantly, you stay at home. So get more information about Village Care Max by calling 800-469-6292 or village the web, visit the website at villagecaremax.org. Village Care Max, live the life, have the sex, go to the protests, fight Trump. You want to you wanna live. And then eat the prime custom cuts you want to eat. At Atlas Meat Market. Atlas Meat Market has it all. Steak, chicken, veal, not pork. Not pork. Not it's pork. halal. It's, halal. it's not going to have pork. It's halal. I wonder if Trump's going to crack down on Atlas Meat Market. Maybe he'll, you think he's going to crack down on halal? Maybe. Interesting. Whether you're getting roasting, baking, whether you're grilling, roasting, baking, or slicing, you cannot go wrong with the meats at Atlas Meat Market in Brooklyn. And while you're stopping in today, you'll love browsing their selection of ter- terrific meats, some of which I've already spoken about. You'll be happy to know, also, Gersh, yeah. there are amazing parking options in the area. Stop buying the big box store meats and splurge a little with the best quality in meats. Atlas Meat Markets, the butcher in Brooklyn, ensures high-class cooking. You know, it's right over there by the 18th Avenue Station and uh, off McDonald Avenue. But they'll deliver. Oh, they will. They will deliver. They will deliver anywhere in Brooklyn. Make the call. You don't have to leave the house. You make the call. You order your meat. So you could be on Village Care Max, make the call to stay at home, and then you make the call to get steaks at home. And if you got pals, friends, family, they like a good steak, they like a good cut, you can send it right to them. They're going to do that for you just like they do with the, what was that, Omaha Steaks? Omaha, yeah. They do that. They do that type of thing. Okay. There you go. Give us the number. Give us the number. Atlas Meat Market on uh, Avenue J. I think it's on Avenue J. 18th Avenue. 18th. No, it's not on 18th, is it? All right. Anyway, give us the number. Oh, it's uh. Well, they see 4311 18th Avenue. Thank you. What's the phone number? 718-965-6230. All right. Since I have the guitar, I'm going to tell you something you'll find interesting. Most dentists, lower. Can you lower the music there, Johnny? So loud. Johnny. Most dentists are like this. Is that what they are? Yeah, but Dr. Joseph Lichter is like this. Clean strumming. He's not... He's not like that. Anyway, he's clean strumming. Anyway, so you're looking for a dentist like Lichter because it's cheap and he's highly skilled. That's your guy. Not one of those pain dentists. He's a gentle dentist. But also, fillings, teeth cleanings, root canal, tooth extractions, Invisalign for a fraction of the cost. 
porcelain veneers, fraction of the cost. You just call Dr. Joseph Lichter today, 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment and you can improve the quality of your life now. Gotta get Joseph that. Lichter, DDS, uh, com. Get that Lichter smile. I talked about Atlas Steaks. Now I'm going to talk about Atlas Steakhouse. They offer you a selection of premium cuts aged on-site for perfect texture and taste. Atlas Steakhouse has an extensive list of vintage wines. Expertly mixed cocktails, classic signature drinks, signature appetizers guaranteed to stimulate your palate. Atlas Steakhouse, your choice cut state, crafted into a culinary mix. You're having some trouble today, Vince. Your mouth is watering about that Atlas Steak. That's we okay. had one. I'm hungry. We had one. It's your choice cut steak crafted to a culinary masterpiece just for you. What, about the, what about the desserts? Delightful desserts, each sweeter than the last. I don't know how they do that. Atlas Steakhouse <laughs> is a completely unique dining experience. Atlas Steakhouse at 943 Coney Island Avenue. Find them online anytime, all the time at Atlas Steak. That's funny. A dot com. It's funny. When you talk about steak... Obviously, I think about Jerry Nadler. Now, Nadler's going to come on in a couple of seconds. He's talking about all the issues that happened this weekend. Wait, who's coming on? Jerry Nadler. Oh, Nadler. But one of the things we did talk to him about was the Supreme Court, because he's, he's really primed. He's really primed to fight whoever Donald Trump's Supreme Court pick is, and that's tonight at 8 p.m. Yep. I have already tweeted, here's hoping real Donald Trump picks hot bench bailiff Sonia Montajano as the next GOTUS justice, totally qualified. And I linked that, and I got a, I linked to a picture of Sonia Montajano. Mm-hmm. She is absolutely qualified, eminently qualified to be on the SCOTUS. I didn't get a chance to ask Nadler that. Funny thing is, yes, we actually spoke to Nadler about ten minutes ago. We did, we did, we did. Well, let's hear what he had to say. Let's hear it. So we're joined by Congressman Jerry Nadler, who represents obviously the Upper West Side and Brooklyn, all the way from the Upper West Side to Coney Island. Jerry, it is great I to don't hear have the Coney same. Island anymore, but all the way to Borough Park and Bay Ridge and Benson. Fair enough. Always a stickler. Jerry Nadler, <laughs> I have covered you since you were an assemblyman on the Upper West Side. It's great to hear the sound of your voice again. Now, I don't know if you're aware, sir, we are doing our new feature. You are the, the debut congressman on this on Trump Busters battling the Donald as a Democrat. So welcome to join us for our first installment. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Now, I know you've had a busy week. Yep. Let's just start with that. What, have you ever experienced anything like this in government? You've been in government for decades. Yes, I've been in government for a long time. Um, no, in, in the sense that um, they obviously are rolling out one thing after the other, and so many outrages, and the problem is what they roll out on Tuesday makes everybody forgot about is so outrageous that everybody starts talking about it, and they forgot about the outrage they rolled out on Monday. Right. They well, just, they just they kill the news cycle and uh, go on to the next thing. Well, let's stick to the current outrage, because I know you've been working a lot on this immigration executive order, starting with mm-hmm. when it was signed late on Friday, and then you were out at the airport, at JFK airport, protesting, and then helping some of these guys get into the country. Let's just, can you talk us through that a little bit, just yeah. from, from the well, moment it started? Well, when I heard about the uh, order, I was obviously outraged uh, for several reasons. It was obviously, I should say it is obviously an, uh, a religious discrimination, although they're trying to say it isn't, but it obviously is. Uh, and, and Rudy Giuliani uh, gave the game away when, when he said how uh, Trump asked them how to dress up uh, a Muslim ban uh, so, is it, so that it wouldn't look like a Muslim ban, mm-hmm. but that's what it is. And it has a provision in it that says that uh, uh, people from these countries can't come in, uh, but if you're a member of a minority religion, they can give you a waiver. Right. 
a minority religion in the country. That means not anybody but Muslims. That's a, a religious discrimination, flatly unconstitutional. Uh, against you know, we, you can't have uh, religious discrimination. It's also denial of due process to people and equal protection. Thirdly, um, they were denying even green card holders to come in. They've changed that now. Um, but so someone who lives in this country for many years who goes to his country of origin for a funeral suddenly couldn't get back. Mm-hmm. Students suddenly who were studying here at an American universities and went home for a winter vacation suddenly couldn't get back. Uh, families are, are separated. It's, it's wanton cruelty and for no reason. They picked seven countries. Because, and they say that the purpose of this is to keep out terrorists who will uh, uh, injure Americans. Not one single American has been killed by a terrorist from these seven countries since before 1975, in 40 years. Not one single person. So that's ridiculous. Um, and then they're, they're feeding out lies. They're saying that, uh, well, they, it was the Obama administration that picked out these seven countries uh, two years ago. Yeah, they picked out these seven countries for a different purpose. These countries are, 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 are countries which have uh, either civil wars or breakdown of government authority in, in parts of them. Mm-hmm. So when you see countries from visa waiver, uh, people rather, from visa waiver countries, countries usually in Europe, uh, which are allies of ours, you don't even need a visa to come to this, to this country as a tourist or whatever. Um, but when they saw people going from France or England to Syria or Iraq or Somalia, they said, okay, we, those people, and then they want to come here, we want to question those people, right, right. because they're going to an area of, of conflict, and people are going to that area for the purpose, some people, of signing up uh, with ISIS. So, we don't, want to, so we, at least, we don't want to admit them to this country without at least asking them some questions. That's mm-hmm. rational. Mm-hmm. It's not rational to say we're not going to let anybody from those countries into this, into this country because everybody's a terrorist. That makes no sense. But so, and you've been on the front lines of this. And the question I have is, yeah. as Democrats, as Brooklynites, we're all kind of struggling to figure out how do we fight this guy. Now, we, uh, people go. Well, to the, the first airport. thing is, you, you try to enforce the law. I went. to, First thing I heard Sunday, uh, Saturday morning, uh, I heard that uh, uh, people were being detained at the airport. We heard that two people were being detained at the airport. Um, one of whom, by the way, it turned out, was a hero. He was. He had uh, volunteered and was an interpreter for American troops and helped American troops for 10 years, and he was a target of terrorists back home, so he mm-hmm. had to come here. Mm-hmm. There's a special visa Congress set up for, those, for that purpose a few years ago. He had such a visa. The second person was coming to reunite with his family, who was living in Houston, Texas, for several years, because she, the wife, had been an interpreter for American forces, mm-hmm. and uh, they had uh, threats against his life and against their lives first. So we're, we're saying to people in the Middle East that if you want to help the Americans, you put your life at risk and we're not going to help you, we're going to abandon you. That's ridiculous. Anyway, so I heard about this uh, Saturday morning, and so I had my staff call up the lawyers who were there and saying would, it would be helpful if, if a congressman came down there. And they said, yes, they were not being permitted even to talk to their client uh, or to know or, or the names or the numbers of other people being held. So I uh, went, I immediately dropped what I was doing, and I went there at about 10 in the morning. Uh, 10.30, I left, I think. And while I was in the cab, Nydia Velasquez called me up and said she was going. So we worked together all day. We had her and me and two staff people. And we were together all day trying to help the lawyers who were not being permitted to access to their clients. And we got information after a while. I thought, I thought Nydia and I were going to be arrested early in the morning when the, we insisted on going into the security, or at least on getting access to, to the director there. 
um, for which we had to step into the secure area. And they said, you can't step into the secure area. We'll arrest you if you don't step back out. So we stepped back out, but I didn't let the door close. Mm. And they said, you've got to let the door close. I said, no, I'm in, I'm in the public area now. You can't make me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was two feet away. Um, so eventually we got the uh, director on the scene to come out and talk to us. And the relations got better over the day. But we got, inf- but we got information, and we were able to help the lawyers. And, and I think because of our intervention, had some effect on, on their releasing uh, Mr. Darwish at, at about 1230. Um, when we got there, when Nidia and I got there, there were, there were no demonstrators. There were oh. maybe 20 people. It looked like I thought it was the press. Mm. Um, but at the time we left at about 6 o'clock, there were thousands and thousands of demonstrators. Mm. So you're there and you're And sit- all over the country. And, and we were uh, people, members of Congress from other airports were, were calling my staff, or their staffs were calling my staff, and getting guidance from our experience, because we did it first. So you're there, and you're seeing what's happening. Who's actually holding these people? You're saying you're, you're not allowed into this area, but who's the, who are the, the people uh, doing Bureau, a holding? Uh, the Bureau of Customs and Border, uh, of uh, CBP, Customs and Border Protection, which is part of the Department of uh, Homeland Security. And what was the atmosphere like? Are these guys like, listen, we're just doing our jobs, or we're doing what we're told? Well, eventually it was like that, but initially it was quite hostile. Initially it was quite hostile. I How so? They said that, I don't know why. I mean, I, I think they were under pressure. They were getting indistinct uh, 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 guidance what to do from from their higher-ups. They were tense, and a bunch of congressmen come in and insist on talking to them. They were talking to nobody. They didn't want to talk to the lawyers. They didn't talk to the lawyers at any point during the day. We had to get that communication. Hey, Jerry, I got uh, but, it. But as the day went on, and they realized there were just four of us, myself and Nydia and two staff members of mine, and we weren't forcing ourselves in. We just wanted to talk to them. Uh, they got more relaxed. Even so, the cops got more relaxed. So, so I've done a, a little bit of a deep dive on the whole legality of this, and and my concern is that some of the things that Trump is doing, specific to immigration, might actually be legal in the sense that there have been many times when Congress has given the president the power to restrict immigration from from a number of countries for whatever reason. It says something well, like Congress a, can clearly, Congress can clearly name a country and say no immigration from that country mm-hmm. or only X people, number of people in that country if it wants to. Yeah. And in 1924, Congress passed the, the worst immigration act ever, the National Origins Quota System, right. which was designed to discriminate against Jews and Italians and Greeks and Eastern Europeans, and it shut the Jewish immigration dead. In fact, the Olympic American politics said if it hadn't been for that law passed by a racist and xenophobic Congress, probably two million of the six million Jews who died in the Holocaust would have been safe in the United States. Mm-hmm. It took 40 years to repeal that. In 1965, Congress passed the Modern Immigration Law, which has been amended since then, but a key provision of that law says you can't discriminate on immigration on the basis of various factors, including national origin or place of residence. Wait, but that's the key. You said immigration. What Trump is doing is barring ostensibly visitors. Well, that he has some, somewhat more latitude to do. Um, but immigrants, and he's barring immigrants too, not mm-hmm. just refugees. Mm-hmm. He's barring anybody from those countries. I know. So he clearly does not have authority on immigrants. And in fact, the first one who we got, who was detained, who we got uh, um, um, released, Mr. Darwish, was on an immigrant visa. Mm-hmm. So they they were making no distinctions. Mm-hmm. So you've got the Constitution that says no religious discrimination. You've got the immigration law which says you can't discriminate on the basis of national origin or place of residence for immigrants. Um, within that, you've got some discretion. Now the White House is claiming that they've got uh, discretion, the president and his discretion can, can limit classes of aliens. That's from a 1952 law. That's right. And that's he not does a- have discretion, but to the extent it conflicts with the 1965 law, the 1965 law 
prevails. Mm-hmm. Because A, a later law always prevails over a former law. The later law is intended to change the law, after all. And second, it's a more specific, and a specific law in, 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 in standard statutory construction, a specific provision always prevails over a general provision. I want to tell Vince, so you, he doesn't realize it, but when you use the term standard, uh, whatever construction you just did, that's, that is vintage Jerry Nadler right there, because I love it. You know, sh- you know shit. I'm just going to say that. You know shit. Anyway. Thank you. All right. So, but you hear about this. You go out to the... So, a guy like me and other people in Brooklyn, we are concerned about the broader picture here. We're not running to the airport every two days when Trump well, doesn't... What we should we be doing? Court, we now have court orders. Um, there's been spotty uh, uh, enforcement, spotty obeying of those court orders in various airports. The ACLU may have to go in and get contempt citations against the CBP. Wow. I hope not. But those court orders will be enforced. No, but I'm talking about the the broader picture because we're you and I are just talking about one executive order. He's passed like 20 of these things. Yeah, we're fighting on multiple fronts. Is this his effort just to wear us down? What are we supposed to be doing as citizens? Well, we have to oppose w- w- all the different things he's doing. I mean, and and we'll see. One thing we have to oppose certainly is the Supreme Court nominee, who's going to be a, uh, presumably someone who I mean, certainly the three he's listed that, that we're told are the are the favorites. We'll all be rubber stamps for all this uh, repressive uh, mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them have said that uh, you know he's made a litmus test. No liberals ever made a litmus test like this. He's made a litmus test. He says, "I will appoint only pro-life, which is to say, judges who will overturn Roe v. Wade." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's good to see people engaged in in, in 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 the opposition. We've got to have people in the streets. We've got to ramp up the opposition, and we have to start looking for the. 2018 congressional elections. Uh, we have to start adopting districts. Looking, you know, one of the problems is people get frustrated in my district because people, t- people are told, "Call your congressman." Well, I agree with them. They don't have to call me. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. nice that they call me, but um, <laughs> I agree to start with. Yeah. But what about the congressman who doesn't agree? Right. We have to put pressure on him or her. We have to start lining up candidates. We have to start lining up all kinds of things so that in 2018 we can. The Democrats can capture one of the houses and not play, uh, not just lie supine for the president. Also, we have to try pressuring Republican congressmen and senators. Some of them, hopefully, will have the spine to stand up to the president on some of these really terrible things. Yeah, it seems like there's one Republican designated to be the spine on every issue, like McCain was talking about immigration, or and someone else was talking about another issue. It's like they, they don't work in, in unison there to really oppose the president. Well, I don't know. Maybe they will. We have to start pushing them to, to say, hey, wait a minute, this is not a standard Republican president. This is a nationalist, not just right-wing, it's a semi-fascist operation here. You can't go along with this. What Republican? And, and it's an operation that is working hand-in-glove with the Russians, which is incredible. Are there I mean, any- this is this thing now that uh, Bannon will sit in on the National Security Council, but the, but the chief of staff of the armed, the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff will not. What kind of nonsense is that? Yeah, that's bizarre. Are there any Republicans that you know of that you think would step up and actually say something uh, at this point? Like, are there any guys you'd look into? Well, people, some people have on the Muslim ban. I don't remember the names offhand, but a number of senators and some congressmen have. Charlie Dent uh, of Pennsylvania has spoken out about the Muslim ban. Yeah, but you see more and more, a lot of people who spoke out before the election on, on all these issues are now backtracking and giving... Uh, well, the giving president money. has immense power. Yeah. <laughs> and people are afraid of that, but they have to, they have to get people to stand up. So I'm really interested in the nuts and bolts of what actually happened on Saturday. And so the the president makes this order. These guys have to follow the order. And then mm-hmm. the judge makes an order. How does that get relayed to them? And, and, and how do they... Oh, who- they're presented with a copy of the court order. 
and they must obey. You must obey a court order. The court determines uh, the, that what the president ordered was legal or not legal, or to what extent. And the court simply said, in this case, don't put anybody in a plane. Don't pending further uh, actions because the court said there's a likelihood that plaintiff will prevail on the merits, which is an interesting observation. Right. We're putting out a temporary stay. Do not deport anybody because they'll they'll they'll, they'll have, uh, experience uh, irreparable harm if if they're deported. Pending further judicial determination as to whether, in fact. Uh, they will prevail or not. That's what the court said. You know, the irony of this whole thing is Trump calls, talked to, in the executive order, it specifically says we're doing this to protect Americans. The Which New is York, ridiculous. Well, the New York Times today ran a, a, a extensive long list of the, the 20 ways in which a, a refugee is vetted by, first, the U.N. The refugees are the most vetted people. Yeah. It takes two years on average to vet them. It's, it's incredible. But you take a look, we admit 20 million uh, tourists a year. Yeah. Many of them, maybe most, I don't know, are from the visa waiver uh, countries that we have close relations with. They don't even need a, a, a visa. They're not, they're not vetted at all. Yeah, yeah. And a if, refugee... If I were a terrorist and I wanted to come to this country, that's how I would do it. I mean, maybe we ought to look at, 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 at some of the ter- tourists, but they we're not going to do that because that really would inhibit our economy. Right. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah, yeah. watch out, Jerry. <laughs> but I'm not know. asking for that. But, that, but that will never happen in any event because that would imp- impact on our economy. Tourism is a large part of our economy. Right. But when you're dealing with helpless people, with refugees, that doesn't really impact our economy. So you can make a, 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 a demagogic political point and never mind whose lives you're ruining. But let's, let's ask the larger question, which hey, is... Hey, guys, I'm, I'm really sorry. we we got to run. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Too. Well, all right. Well, just say goodbye. Jerry Nadler, congressman from the Upper West Side in Brooklyn. Always a pleasure to have you as our first Trump buster on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Bye-bye. I love that Jerry Nadler, and I always have. I always think he's been a credible voice for Brooklyn and the Upper West Side. I knew him when he was assemblyman, literally a kid. Mm-hmm. I was with him when he fought Trump on the Upper West Side development scheme called Riverside South, and I am with him as he battles Trump on immigration and other issues. Where are you, Vince? Oh, um, as far as uh, Jerry Nadler is concerned? Yeah, as far as Jerry Nadler. I can give you my history. Give me a little history. The first story we had with Jerry Nadler that I worked on was back in, like, 1996 or 97, and uh, he's very interested in the the Cross Harbor Tunnel. No question about it. Uh, He's, you know, his... his, uh, the the area that he covers has a lot to do with the with covers most of the of the waterfront no, no and question. the cross harbor tunnel is part of that and he wanted to get the sunset park cross harbor tunnel from sunset park or bay ridge to either staten island or to new jersey and the uh, the theory that he had was if you don't have that tunnel and something happens to the george washington bridge you cannot get supplies of any kind into new york city he's absolutely right and he was on the phone with my editor at the time diane weber speaking to her for you know, we only got a few minutes. He was literally on the phone with her for like two hours on a production night. We're trying to put the paper out. That was and his he issue. Would, he would not stop on the issue. And it was a very important issue. But who's to say that's ever going to get done? And one of the questions I did want to ask him when it comes to Trump, who has all these infrastructure projects that he wants to put through, is that something that he's going to push for uh, as time goes by? I know as a fact he's already pushed for the Cross Harbor Tunnel with President Trump. I know that as a fact. So we don't really? even need him on the phone. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, Vince. What's that, Gersh? When was the last time you saw a quality dentist who was truly affordable? Oh, man. Well, every time I go to uh, Dr. Joseph Lichter. That's right. If your answer is, the last time I saw a quality dentist, it was when I saw Dr. Joseph Lichter, that's the answer. Because he's got a state-of-the-art dentistry office out there in Midwood. Reasonable prices. 
and, and amazing work. And I, when I talk about work, I yeah. talk about Invisalign, those backwards braces inside your teeth, usually 5,000. Lichter does it for four. Porcelain veneers, usually 1,000. Lichter does it for 675. Look, you don't have to listen to me. Just look at my smile. It's a Lichter smile. So call Dr. Joseph. Is this radio? Anyway, call Dr. Joseph Lichter's office today at 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment at 1420 Avenue P in Midwood. Or just visit him online at josephlichterdds.com. Ladies do love your Lichter smile, Gersh Kutzman. They love it. And you know what else they love? Atlas Steakhouse, because Atlas Steakhouse offers a unique dining experience. First, you choose your steak, and every cut is aged to tender perfection on site. Then you pair it with a vintage from their extensive wine list or with one of the Atlas Steakhouse signature cocktails. You can enjoy a succulent appetizer as their master chef crafts your choice cut as you desire. And when your main course arrives, you'll understand why at Atlas Steakhouse, they always offer you a cut above the rest. Atlas Steakhouse, 943 Coney Island Avenue. Visit them on the web anytime at atlassteak.com. Now, Tavins, if we had had more time with Jerry Nadler, I would have asked him about whether it's possible for healthcare to get personal. And what yeah, I, mean, I know you were going there. I heard you going there. What, what I mean by that is, look, I'm getting, I'm not getting any younger, and I'm going to need a Medicaid-managed long-term healthcare plan like Village Care Max for one reason, one reason only. I want to stay in my home and in my community for as long as possible. Because you know me, when I'm in my home, I'm getting down with some amazing chick. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in a nursing home, there's no way I'm getting down with anybody, let alone an amazing chick. Am I right, Vince? That's absolutely correct. So Village Care Max will get a team of professionals. They'll work with my doctor. They'll help obtain the best health care options available to me. And all I got to do is call Village Care Max at 800-469-6292 or visit the website, villagecaremax.org. Because Village Care Max... Live the life you want to live. You know, this weekend's my birthday, Gersh. Oh! That's right. That's right. So what do we do on my birthday? What do we have for dinner? Steak. That's right. And where do we get that steak from? Atlas Meat Market. That's right. Atlas Meat Market delivers to your door. They're now you know, deliver, They're not going to deliver to Staten Island. Now, listen. You're going to say that. Now, I can't order it and say, hey, can you deliver this right now? But you can order it for me. And you could send me one of their delectable, delicious packages that they will ship anywhere in the That's world. That's a hint, by the way. If you're listening to Vince, you can ship it to The Rock. That's right. So I am having a family over. And what are they looking forward to? They're looking forward to juicy cuts of prime meat. Of and that's what they're going to get. And they're going to get it from Atlas Steak. That would be Atlas Meat Market. Atlas Meat Market. All right. Where, At- is, it? Where is it? Atlas Meat it's in, uh, I believe it's on Avenue J. It's on you, can, you can Google it. Yeah, it's Atlas Meat Market. Shipping, cleaning, butchering. They are halal, so yes. there's not going to be any pork there. No, no pork. But I love Atlas Meat Market. Yes, as do I. All I'm, right. I'm looking forward to that birthday steak. All right, we've paid a couple of bills and want to thank Jerry Nadler for coming on the show. Yep. Yeah, he really is a good guy. And the thing I've always loved about Nadler, and I've covered him for a long time, he knows how government works. And I know that's something you're obsessed with, Vince. Not so much how government works. I was just interested in, like, the people that are involved in this. Because, you know, you're sitting there at work one day at, at JFK, and then all of a sudden you're getting executive orders to do your job differently than you've done it, you know, all these years. Yeah. And now 
suddenly then somebody else runs in and said, no, wait a second. Now you got to start doing this. And this, I mean, that, the guy who's sitting there making these decisions is like, you know, Bob from Garden City. Well, who, or but who's the guy who runs in with the order? He's Jim from Garden City. I have no, I mean, all that stuff, it's crazy. And I'm sure these guys they just want to go home and have a nice hot meal with their uh, with their family. Well, they're, they're thrust into the middle of an international incident. It's crazy how that happened. Well, that's weekend. what I, that's why it was great to have a guy, a credible guy like Jerry Nadler on the show. And, and Vince, it's one of those things where, as I've always said, you're a handsome guy, yes. but you know Jerry Nadler. Like Nadler, because you don't like politicians, and I don't trust them either. But Nadler, at least, first of all, he's not on the take. He's totally not on the take. Mm-hmm. And second of all, he's been doing this a long time, and he really cares about policy. And you don't he's not one of those guys you see on the Sunday shows. He's not one of those guys you see grandstanding all the time, looking at you, Charles Schumer. I'm talking about Jerry Nadler, credible guy. So it was great to have him on the show. What did you think? No, he was, he, was, uh, he was nice to have on. All right, we got to get out. Thank you for joining us on Brooklyn Paper Radio. I, of course, am Gersh Kuntzman of the New York Daily News. Maybe we'll get a little outro music from our producer, Johnny. For Johnny, our producer. For Jimmy, our producer. Who Johnny was and early. Jimmy. We had double production staff Double today. production staff. Still have some flaws, though. Gotta say, Vince. You know what we need? We what? need those great phones they have at the White House. Yeah, That's I heard about those phones. Those phones are fantastic. Yeah, you might want to fight Donald Trump, but he's got great phones. Yeah. Beautiful phones. They anyway, for Vince DiMaselli and Johnny and Jimmy, our producers, I'm Gersh Kunstman of the New York Daily News for Brooklyn Paper Radio, live from the Brooklyn Paper Building. Vince, you're a handsome man. Thanks, Gersh. We'll see you next week.